Gentlemen, Bezrat Hashem, we're continuing with the second shear of Basa Bechalav, of <coughs> meat and dairy. The shear number one, so if you can go to page 40, <coughs> we'll just pick up with a very important topic of the amount of time one needs to wait. So we mentioned the Rambam, we mentioned three opinions in last week's shear. We mentioned the opinion <coughs> of the Rambam, that's at six hours mentioned the opinion of Rabbeinu Tam that basically said uh, even within the actual meal as long as you wash your hands and, and rinse out your mouth and then there was the opinion of Toswat that basically said as long as you finish one meal you can and start a new meal and do Birkatamazon you are <coughs> that is okay no time factor was mentioned the critical thing according to Toswat is that it's a new meal how do we paskin? The Shulchan Aruch paskin six hours, like the Rambam. The Rambam says that we basically paskin like Tosfot. Then he brought, but the Minag was to wait one hour. Um, and that seems to be the Minag. And then he says, but it's better to wait six hours. We then saw the later opinions of the Shach and the Taz that basically said that anyone who's a Ben Torah, etc. should definitely try and wait six hours. So that's where we get the custom of six hours versus one hour. And Ashkenazim, that although the Ramah is Meikel Me'ikaradin, says Tob Lachmir, and that's what many people do. But there is a third minya, uh, Minhag, and that is three hours. Where did the three-hour Minhag come from? Growing up in South Africa, that was a very established Minhag, I think also in England. Um, and it could be based on the Isu Beheter. The Isu Beheter is a book written by one of the Rishonim, Rabbeinu Yerucham, a very important Sefer. However, Rabbeinu Yerucham himself seems to contradict himself because in his main work called Adam Bechava over there, he quotes six hours. And then in his work Isu Beheter, which seems to be at the end, the summary of the work, Let's read it inside. Source number 34. And that's how Marukva used to do because the <coughs> fat of the meat remains stuck to the palate for a long time. Because the meat between the teeth is called meat. That is the, the meat still between your teeth. And therefore, this is considered three hours like the opinion of Rashi. We haven't found this in Rashi, but this is basically, uh, he's going according to the, um, however he understands Rashi, we find uh, three hours. That is the first Makar that is the source in the Rishonim for three hours. Now, in the Mishneh Alachot, Rabbi Menashe Klan, he brings down this question. Someone was asked, asked him this three-hour minag, is it a minag taut? Is it a minag that has no basis and you have to eradicate it or not? The questionnaire thought it was a minag taut, thought it was a baseless custom, and therefore one could be lenient. Uh, one should be eradicated. And he answers. They met, second paragraph. We've already found this opinion in the Achronim. Interesting, he doesn't quote the Rishonim, Rabbi Yerucham. He quotes it only in the Achronim. In the name of Maharit, that what? Basically, wait three hours, even in the summertime. We'll understand why that would be different in the summer or in the winter. And therefore, this minag has what to rely on. Now, if it was winter, now the Mishneh um, al kind of works out where did three hours come from. He says, because in the winter time, right, supper would be pretty much three hours after, you know, sunsets and people are going to have supper. So it could already be the next meal. Based on this, 
we see that in the winter, it could be that a person would eat lunch and three hours later you'd eat supper, right? Therefore, clearly, the, the, the continuation of the, of the fat, the, the lingering taste, Nevertheless, he says, Since the Gemara gave a shear from one meal to another, in the end of the day, it depends on the time that people eat from one meal to another. Now we know that the Talmud Chacham would eat in the sixth hour of the day. And the next meal he would eat at night, presumably straight after nightfall, right? And therefore, in, a, in, in, in winter, where it's a short day, you could be <coughs> at 3 o'clock at night, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's already getting dark. dark. It's getting dark in uh, places like in England, etc. Comes out that he's going to be eating three hours later. And there's no problem eating between, i.e., from one meal to the next. And basically, he's clarifying the opinion of this Shaloshaot. It is based on this logic. And the logic is that basically the meals. Between meals can differ, and in places very north, places in the in the winter time, there could be that from the day to the night you only have three hours. But he says as follows: <coughs> Anyone who has the fragrance of Torah must wait six hours. Even if they come from communities that are lenient. He says, if the person takes on this stringency, it is not considered abandoning one's minhag. And it's also not a stringency that is, you know, above and beyond. Rather, it is. He says, this seems to be the accepted practice <coughs> that should be adopted. Nevertheless, those who keep three hours, they obviously have a, a, a minag. Um, and that, that is basically the opinion that I just wanted to bring. Also seems to imply that a person should try and change one's minag from three hours to six hours. He doesn't think it's a problem of, um, you know, taking on a khumra, etc. The Poski mentioned that regarding women, it might be different. Regarding women <coughs> that have a minag of three hours and they're dealing with young kids and they're feeding them all the time, then the chances are that they might start eating, you know, because they're always dealing and preparing the food. They might actually taste it. Uh, it's not so clever um, to jump from three hours to six hours. So that's what the Poskin mentioned that regarding women that are always in, you know, uh, got kids all pre always preparing food. Maybe maybe the law would be different. So is six hours into the sixth hour or the mm. end of the sixth hour? What do we actually? Okay, we did we didn't do that last time, hey? Uh, is that no. um, That was also in last week's year. Um, so let's just uh, if you want to do that, waiting into the sixth hour. By go way, back to page thirty-five. Way, before we go back to that. Yes. In the Mishnah al what's interesting is he quotes a bunch of uh, Achronim, yes. some of whom are Sephardi Achronim. But the Sephardim don't seem Why? to... Why? Which, which one's the Sephardim? He said the Matei Ephraim Sephardi and Mizmo... No, I don't know if Matei Ephraim Sephardi is, is Sephardi, I'm not sure. Rav David Pardo is Sephardi, isn't he? Could be, could be. It's interesting because I don't know of any Sephardi men how to keep three hours. Correct. That so would be strange. Um, okay. Um, okay, so if you want to do the six hour the discussion, <clears throat> so look at the Meiri, page uh, 35, source number 23. The And this is six hours or close to this. So what does it mean close to this, right? <clears throat> Sounds like 
doesn't have to be a full six hours. It can be close to it. Also in the Magen Avot of the Meiri, he says, Wait five or six hours. So it sounds like, according to the Meiri, one basically waits into the sixth hour, that would be okay. <coughs> Says the Sefer HaKashrut, Source 25, Says some are lenient once the majority of the sixth hour has passed. Now I'll just say this um, outside because we don't have that much time. So I'll say it outside. Basically, we have the Machloket between Rabbi Vag Yosef and Rabbi Mordechai Liyah. Rabbi Vag Yosef basically says, based on the language of the Meiri and the Rambam, it sounds like it's an approximation and therefore one can be lenient. He says one can be lenient when one needs to be. He brings an example as follows. Let's say in the Yeshivot, <coughs> the Yeshivot they have lunch, and then some, and they, they try and plan it, which is generally neat, and then they plan that the supper is always six hours after. But oftentimes, you know, the Rosh Hashiva was giving uh, his Shir Klali, and so lunch started half an hour later, which means that now the supper, it's going to mess up the whole, uh, the whole schedule of the Yeshiva, the staff are not going to be able to, they have to stay on. Rabbi Vag Yosef says in such a case you can eat, even if it's five and a half hours, as long as it's pretty much close to six hours, one can be lenient. Rabbi Mordechai Eliyahu <coughs> says no, six hours is six hours, and even in these cases, one cannot be lenient. I've heard in the name of Rabbi Eliyashiv that Rabbi Eliyashiv actually holds that it doesn't even have to be five and a half hours. According to Rabbi Yashiv, it could be five and a bit. If one needs to, one can be lenient, right? Because of the principle of mixat of kulo, and therefore Rabbi Yashiv <coughs> talks about one is invited over to a guest, you're a guest of a person, and the host might be insulted. Yesh makom lahakel, once you're already in the fifth hour. Okay. So I'm um, feeling a bit uncomfortable. Sorry? I'm left feeling a bit uncomfortable. Why? I'd like to think that I've got Rocha Torah in me and that I should really keep six hours. But on right. the other hand, all my life I've been keeping three, three hours. Uh, should I, <laughs> the stage of my life, should I make a change? You, you give me food for thought. Food for thought. <coughs> <laughs> you can't answer that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> milky food for thought? Milky food for milky thought. Milky food for thought, yeah. But it's left me with a slight. Maybe that's where you should be. Um, <laughs> well, what, then what do you say to somebody who gives one hour? Study, study. I used no, to say... No, one hour is Dutch. The Dutch, Dutch right? one yeah, hour. Yeah, my, my son-in-law studies Portuguese, he keeps one hour. That's, that's say, the way to go. I usually say I keep one hour, and it's a three. <laughs> <laughs> that is another understanding of how they got how, the, how this opinion of yeah. three hours came about. It's really a chumrah between one and Um Just one look regarding this. When do we start the clock and when do we end the clock? So the Aruch HaShulchan has an incredibly machmer shrita. The Aruch HaShulchan says, finish the meal to the beginning of the meal. It means that I could be eating lunch and I have my main course with my meat mm -hmm. and there's another 45 minutes till we finish dessert and bench, says the Aruch HaShulchan, that's when you start counting, mm -hmm. from when you finish benching. Not when you finish the meat. Not when you finish the meat. <coughs> when you finish the meal, What's his proof? Because he the says, Misudata, Lesudata, from one meal to the next. When did you finish the meal? You finished the meal, when you bench. And therefore, and he's got another Khumra. You, let's say you want to start the meal. You cannot even start the meal, even though you're going to have the bread, and then you're going to have the part of soup, and only in the main course are you going to have the uh, fish. He says, no, it's got to be from meal to meal. It has to be six um, six hours. That is the opinion of the Aruch HaShulchan, the Dagul Mar Baba, Rab, um, the, uh, the famous uh, Rabbi Yehuda uh, Landau, right? Um, the Nod of Yehuda, he says, Machma Lehedya, the Sheisha'ot Hainu Misof Achirat Basar at Tchilat Kvina. 
from when you end eating meat until when you begin eating milk. And that is the accepted opinion. We do not accept the Aruch HaShulchan, even though one could have argued that. So he would, he would say, what you said is that you could even start the meal, have your bread, have your mm-hmm. power of soup, even, I'm saying, even within the time. Correct. That, that's, and that's how most poskim pasken. Right? That we basically, we're not worried for the shit of the Aruch HaShulchan. From the time you end meat until the time you begin eating milk, that is the time, whether it's one hour, three hours, six hours, etc. Okay. Let's move on to today's shir. And this is Basa Bacharab number two. And now we're going to be dealing with eating meat after dairy. Up until now, we've been speaking about eating dairy after meat. And clearly, you have to wait however long you're meant to wait, right? The question is, you've had your cheesecake, and now you want to have, sit down and have a steak. Is there any time that required for you to wait between the two? If you ate meat, it is prohibited to eat dairy. But if you eat dairy, right? specifically, it's the Gemara is referring to cheese, it is permitted, sounds like straight away, to eat um, meat straight away. That's what the Gemara in Chulin uh, implies. Right? However, it's not so pashut because we find the Gemara in Chulin describes something else. He says like this, Tana Igra Chamur de Rebbe Abba, page 69, uh, quoting the Masechet Chulin Kuftal Adam Abed, source number two. Tana Igra Chamur de Rebbe Abba, right? so the father-in-law of Rebbe Abba, his name was Agra, he says as follows, that poultry and cheese can be eaten Basically, without restriction. Well, we have to see what that means. It's not, not, not so clear what it means. What does it mean? Obviously, if you can't eat it together. What it's referring to is that if you eat cheese, you don't straight need to. You can eat it straight away. And you don't need to do two things. You don't need to wash your hands. And you don't need to wipe your mouth. Rav Yitzchak went to Rav Mashashi. Rav Yitzchak went to the house of Rav Ashi. They brought him cheese and he ate. Then they brought him meat and he ate. He didn't wash his hands. But didn't we say? When did we say that if I eat cheese, I don't have to wash my hands and so I don't off. have to wipe my mouth, my mouth? That's regarding poultry. But regarding steak of a, an animal, there you do have to. When did we say I have to wash my hands? I have to, when it's not, because I don't know if I've got any remnants of the cheese still on my hands. Just to conclude this uh, Gemara, the Gemara says, Both, <coughs> one can, right? It says he wipes his mouth, right? And uh, also rinses it. And Beit Hila holds, the one says to rinse one's mouth and also wipe it. And then it says, And what's the bottom line? Bechol mili, for all cases, one has to basically wipe one's mouth. And you can use anything except for flour and dates and vegetables. So what's the bottom line? We've got different opinions brought in the Gemara. Let's read the Shulchan Aruch. If one ate cheese, one is permitted to eat meat straight afterwards. As long as he can look at his hands and ensure that no milky parts are still on his hands. But if it was at night, So it sounds like during the day, just look at your hands, if they're clean, you're good to go. During the night, wash them. But today, if we have electricity, you would also know that. And then he says, 
but one has to wipe one's mouth, right, and rinse it. What, how, do, how do you wipe it? Chew on something, like bread. Basically, the bread will clean out all of the milk that's in your mouth. It doesn't have to be bread. It can be any food. Except for flour, dates and vegetables. Apparently they cannot swivel around the mouth as well and therefore they will not, uh, they will not achieve the intended goal. Then one has to drink a liquid, wine, water, this is if you're eating proper meat. Bottom line, for proper meat, you want to eat a steak of a, of a lamb, etc. You have to look at your hands that they clean or wash them at night. And you have to eat something in between, something parallel, and drink something. To wipe your mouth and to rinse your mouth. You literally have to rinse your mouth. The minute you have Friday night, you have a filter fish and then you have a whiskey. But is it sufficient just to drink the whiskey or do you mash literally have to swirl it inside? The filter is not cheap. Pardon? The filter is not cheap. Yeah. Ah, but after fish, uh, uh, less of a problem. Yeah. A lot less of a problem they are. Yeah. If it's a single mood, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. A blend. <laughs> it doesn't count. So, now, um, <coughs> it points out in the, in the Sefer Kashrut that some hold that basically you don't have to swallow. You can rinse out and I suppose spit and, and definitely brushing one's teeth would, would suffice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now there's an opinion of the Zohar. And the opinion of the Zohar is basically, we won't read it all inside, but the, the Zohar basically says... Uh, four lines from the top. Ashkechan, the whole man, the achil hai michla kechada, or beshaita chada, or besudata chada, arbaim yomin itchaze gadye makalsa bekilfa legabe ilon de laila. If a person would eat within the same hour or the same meal, meat and milk, he talks about for 40 days is going to be uh, some type of spiritual attack on you with angels coming, don't know exactly what it is, but okay. Um, so the Zohar is saying meat and milk shouldn't be eaten within the same hour or the same meal. And then he continues to say the famous Maram of Rothenberg he wouldn't eat meat of an animal i.e. like lamb or beef after milk, after cheese, he found some cheese in his teeth and because of that he took upon himself not to. Bottom line, what is the halakha? The halakha is basically that this opinion of the Zohar is not mentioned. It's not mentioned in the Shulchan Aruch and um, um, it's pretty much uh, by the Shulchan Aruch, it seems like it wouldn't be a problem. However, look at source number seven of the Ramah. This is Yoradeh Peitetzif Bet. Says the Ramah, "Beyesh machmirin afilu bebasar achar gvina." Again, and this is Amina. Shekol shagvina kasha. If the cheese is hard, and eat even poultry. K'mod magvina achar basar. Similar to the din of meat or uh, chicken uh, milk after meat. Yesh Mekilin, and that's the opinion of the Zohar. The Yesh Mekilin, and there are those are lenient. Ve'enim chot, and you don't have to uh, shout at people who don't do this. Rakshi asu kinuach barachat v'nedilat yadayim miutov lachmir. However, it does sound like according to the Ramah, that one should be machmir. But what word should be machmir on? Hard cheese. Hard cheese. And he's talking about. Hard cheese, right? Um, now, this din uh, regarding hard cheese is a discussion among Sakharani. 
What is first of all considered hard cheese? Second of all, how long do you have to wait? Do we wait six hours? So now do I have to wait six hours or can I wait one hour? Look at the Taz. Taz source number nine. Regarding the, the reason of waiting after meat is because of the meat between the teeth. The Rambam was only concerned about the, the pieces of meat between the teeth, but not that of a lingering taste. Cheese, says it has, there's no problem of it getting stuck between one's teeth. That seems to contradict the story of the Maharam of Rottenberg. But he says it doesn't seem to be a problem. The Gamba Basar Ben Lo Have Be Basar. Because even meat between the teeth, we wouldn't have actually called it meat. It's just because we have a, a pasuk that tells us it's called meat that we call it meat. But regarding the, the cheese between our teeth, it's not considered cheese and therefore there's no problem. However, are there any hakalot people have false teeth? Sorry? Are there any hakalot for people who have false teeth? One for the chikha, one for fleshika. I do know people who do that. They have one set of false teeth reading the chikha, and then if they want to eat fleshika... It would only help regarding the Rambam. It won't help regarding Rashi. Right? Because he says like this. But if it's because of the, the fattiness, the lingering... One has to be concerned for this also for wormy cheese. Uh, I don't know what that means exactly. They're cheeses that they made with, with whatever. Shetam rav in Kenya So the taz is hard cheese. Now, when it comes to the definition, how much time you have to wait, you actually have to wait six hours. Now, the definition of hard... like that from the Ramah. The Ramah says, just whatever like, you wait, waiting about the Zohar, he says, well, just like from meat to milk, right? But here, the Taz now gives us the definition of hard cheese. If it is for it to mature, mature, um, or uh, whatever that means, and the Shach says, um, he says, the Kotev Sefer Mitzaref we only have to wait one hour. It sounds like this whole Khumra is one hour according to the Shach. Hard cheese, according to the according to the Shach, it sounds like one hour would right? How do we Paskin? So basically, we have a machloket between some poskim in Israel and some poskim in America. What do we, what, what, the cheese that we have today, let's call it yellow cheese, right? The, the regular yellow cheese that you buy, is that considered hard cheese or not? The Shevet Halevi seems to say that that is considered hard cheese and therefore one would have to be machmir according to the Taz, one should wait six hours according to the Shach, maybe one hour. Rav Moshe Feinstein in America and Rav Aaron Kotler in America, they held that the yellow cheese, the, the cheese that you know you basically get from the supermarket today is not considered hard cheese. Hard cheese was something else that you know it had to be that you, you got to be special cheese markets, right? But not the regular cheese. Now look at source number 14. Rav Zev Wittmann, the Rav of Tsnuva. He holds as follows. Mikevan. The time for the maturation of regular yellow cheese, which makes up 80% of the regular yellow cheese, Yerushalayim, Tiran, Emek, Achuza, Gush Chalab, all of them. The maturation period basically takes up to two months. And also, uh, etc., Bulgarian cheese, feta, all of these cheeses generally, basically, according to Avitman, don't come near to six months. And therefore, 
One doesn't have to worry about it. It's not considered hard fees of the Rama, and one can basically be lenient. That is the opinion of Rav Vitman. Again, it seems like Shevet Alevi would not accept this, but Badai, this was the opinion of Rav Moshe Pais and Rav Aaron Kota. What is, according to pretty much everyone, a problematic cheese? Parsimon cheese. Parsimon cheese, apparently... Parmesan. Parmesan, sorry. Parmesan cheese. Uh, has got a very strong taste, mm. and also part of it takes 10 months to mature. So based on that, uh, even Rav Wittmann, who is the most lenient here, basically tells us um, that that would be a problem. Okay, so that's regarding how much time do we have to wait after eating dairy before eating meat. Okay? Um, Let's skip the case of, let's go, in, let's go to separating between meat and dairy foods. This is a common uh, issue regarding many um, times you go out for, for a meal with your family at the Kanyon. And the one sibling wants pizza and the other one wants a falafel and the third one wants a shawarma. Can you sit at the same table and eat? Uh, your lunch together when one's eating pizza and the other one's eating a shawarma. Says the Mishnah, I mean, uh, page 78, the Mishnah in Chulim, Perichet, is Mishnah Bet. Sorer Adam basar gvina b'mitpachat achar v'yovad shelo yu nogin ze b'ze. The Mishnah says you can wrap meat and milk in, in, you know, almost in a parcel together as long as they don't touch. And the Gemara in Chulim, Kufzayin says, And if they do touch, what's so terrible if they touch? It's cold and cold. And we have a principle that the transfer of, of flavor basically only gets transferred through heat. We'll discuss this more as we go through the, 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 the shirim in Hilchot Kashrut. But as a general principle, uh, flavor is transferred only through heat. And therefore... What's the problem that my piece of cheese touched my steak? Says the Gemara, Amar Abayin, he the Klippel It's true that you don't have to cut off any parts of the cheese and the steak. Hadach amil But we, you definitely need to rinse them. So you see that even though I'm not worried about a transfer of flavor into the meat or into the cheese, but if they touched then there will be some residue of the meat on the cheese or some residue of the cheese on the meat. And that I would have to rinse. So why are Chachamim concerned that they don't touch? Because we're worried that people are not going to rinse them. Yeah? So that is basically the halacha. says So this is your idea, Tzadi Aleph Aleph. And here the Shulchan Aruch says that if they touch, you have to wash it. And you can place them together and you don't have to be concerned that they might touch each other. We'll come back to this halacha in a moment at the, later on in the year regarding you want to store all your food in your refrigerator. Is that a problem? Fridge, freezer, etc. Now, uh, let's skip the, the Gemara just because we're running out of time. Let's go straight to the Shulchan Aruch. What is the bottom line regarding um, having meat and milk in the same vicinity? Even regarding poultry. You cannot, let's say this is our table that we are eating, our uh, cheese, you cannot put meat on it, even if it's only chicken. What is the concern? The concern is the guy, oh, that looks yummy. And he basically stretches and he tastes without thinking. And what happens is, is now he's going to eat, uh, inadvertently, he's going to eat the... Um, Sorry. Oh, no problem. Um, yeah, no problem. I was going to bring him to the shed. Right. Uh -huh. Okay, that's right. He's going back tomorrow to Toronto. Uh -huh. So he didn't have time. Okay, Yes, we're still on the sugya of meat and milk. And we're discussing whether you can eat, put milk and meat on the same table. 
Yeah. So the Shulchan Aruch paskins, even poultry, cannot be milk on the table because you might come to eat inadvertently um, uh, without thinking about it and this would be a problem. Aval, says the Shulchan Aruch, B'Shulchan She'Soder You have, sometimes you have a buffet, you know, where people take, where people serve, they put all the food, the food on a serving table. There you can even put meat and milk together. Why? Because the concern that a person would forget that he's eating milk when, and, and take a bite of meat is only when he's in the middle of his meal. He's in the middle of eating. So when you're in the middle of eating, you're not thinking. However, when you're going to fill your plate right, at a buffet, you're very concerned, not that, you know, what you're very, very specific of what you want to put on your plate. So a person confused and put both milk and meat on there. Isn't that Lifneyeva though? Why is it Lifneyeva? If I'm going up to a buffet and there's You mean two you s- put actually you put flesh and milk on a serving table. On not the- not on the table where you're eating. A separate table and everyone goes some people will take the meat, some people will take the milk. Because that's not the place where you're going to You mean they don't take it together? No no you can only, you can only, you can choose. There's a big, let's say there's a serving table. There's a big sign saying milchiks and a big sign saying fleishiks, but they're next to each other. Says the Shulchan Aruch, that's not a problem. Because people are not going to get confused going to fill their plate. They're only going to get confused when they're in the middle of eating and then they're going to start picking, no, etc. I, I think it's Lifneva because, let's say, so you take a nice piece of chicken, and the next thing along is a salad. And the salad has bits of cheese in. You pick up, you do like so oh, That looks like saying. a nice it's salad. It's got to be clear. Okay, it's got, one's, okay not one says clear. one thing and one says the other, but it, it's like a bit. The uh, Shulchan Aruch sal- says we, we rely on people's eyes. They can see that this is milking. I agree with you that if, it, if it's not clear, let's say you got a salad and people think that that's parrot, mm-hmm. you should definitely tell them that it's milking. But, I, but I, let's, I'm saying go to the extreme. Big signs, milking, flagship, milking, flagship. According to the Shulchan Aruch, no problem to put them next to each other on the serving table. In, in a situation where you have people who are less religious or not religious, that would definitely be lifting that because they either wouldn't be... Uh, they're not religious, etc. Then certain you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. We're talking about specifically in your own home or whatever it is, you in eat and milk on a serving dish and everyone is responsible to take what they, what they want to take. Yeah? Now, it says the Shach, this is a stringency that we only because people do not separate themselves from meat and milk. Why? Because both of them, excuse me, are permitted. Meat by itself is permitted. Milk by itself is on the same table. Let's say I'm going to have a, a business meeting with a non-Jewish uh, partner, he brings his uh, treif uh, steak, and I'm sitting with my kosher meal. Is that a problem? Says my concern not to have milchik and, and fleishiks on the same table, because I'm so used to eating milchiks and fleishiks that I might come to get confused and mixed up and, and pick. I would never do such a thing regarding a treif animal, or regarding an avela. And therefore, says the shach, there wouldn't be a problem regarding the table with non-kosher food, it's a problem to be at the same table with meat and milk, right? Counterintuitive, but that's the that's the, the, the reason behind it. But then he says the shachul fize asuna lot lechem shel isur ala shulchan keder shasur basa He says if there's non-kosher bread on the table, that's a problem. Why? Because people usually don't think of bread as something as non-kosher. So just as you might forget, it slipped your mind and you might take some milk while you're eating your meat, you might take a piece of bread. And therefore, that would be a concern. Okay, now I'm coming to the shayda that we discussed at the beginning of this year. You go to these canyonim in, uh, in Israel and there's a food court. And the one, your one child wants to eat pizza and the other child wants to eat shawarma. And they want to sit at the same table. According to what we've just learned in the Shulchan Aruch, that would seem to be a problem. However, it's not so clear. The truth is, the Gemara in Chulid Kufzain, and we're going to say it outside just because we're running out of time, the Gemara distinguishes. The Gemara says like this, 
If I go to a hotel and I'm eating meat and someone that I don't know sits next to me and he eats milk, it's not a problem. Why is it not a problem? Since we don't know each other, I'm going to feel very, very um, uh, embarrassed to even if there's something that I really like on his plate, I'll be very, regarding meat and milk, there's a problem that I might get confused. But because the person who's eating, I don't know, and I'll feel very embarrassed to touch his food, there's no problem of us eating meat and milk together on the same table, um, and it's not a problem. That says the Gemara is only if what? If I don't know the person. But if he's my friend, then, you know, often friends will pick from each other's plates. And if people are going to pick from each other's plates, then we come back to our problem. Then meat and milk on the same table when you are eating would be problematic. And this is basically the halakha that when it comes to our story, so the one child wants to eat pizza, the other child wants to eat, um, <coughs> wants to eat shawarma, can you sit at lunch together? One eating one, one eating the other. So there is a heter, and this is based on the Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch says as follows, source number 28, Page he said that the problem is if the two people know each other. Even if they, you know, don't touch my food, I won't touch your food. It's not going to help. If you know each other, you never know. Boundaries can be broken. But if you don't know each other, complete strangers, permitted. Mutar. And even people that know each other. If they made some type of sign to remind themselves not to pick from each other's plates. For example, each person eats on their tablecloth. Or they're eating on one tablecloth. But they put something. They put like a loaf of bread in between as a sign to remind them not to pick one from the other, it is permitted. Where do we learn this from? This is also a halachot connected to Basa Bakhala. There's also a halachot connected to a man and wife when she is a nida, that there has to be some uh, uh, sign between, between the two that they don't pick from each other's plates. Yeah? Now, what does it mean that the, the, the Shulchan Aruch actually said that you have a sign or you have separate uh, plates, which by the way solves all the problems for what I just said in the canyonim. Why? Yeah, they because they trays. have separate trays. Each person, if you're going to eat a pizza, you eat. A, uh, they've even got different colors, you know, the meat trays and the milk trays. So it's clear that based on this, there would be no problem of a family sitting together, one eating pizza, one eating shawarma, because they're eating on separate trays. Says the Rama. The Rama adds, "V'davka she'enochlin min hapat." The Shulchan Aruch was actually quite lenient. He said, what's the sign? Put a piece of bread. But that bread is part of the meal. Says the Ramah, when will the bread be a good sign if you're not going to eat from it? But if you're going to eat from it, what kind of sign is that? It's part of the, it's part of the spread. Huh? If you eat from the bread, it's not a sign. The Balavach always put bread on the table to eat from it. So let's say they put a jug to drink from, which also they're drinking from it. However, but usually it's not, it's not on the table. For example, you have a, 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 a simple jug that you use during the week, and you have a Shabbos jug that you use, a silver jug that you use during, on Shabbat. During the week, you don't usually take out your silver jug. But if you did put, take it out, even if you're going to drink from it, it's still considered a heke, still considered a sign, right? Because it's not usually on the table. Silver jug during the, the week is not usually in this family's table and therefore would be okay. But for example, salt cellar. So again, if you've got a fancy salt cellar that's only for Shabbat, even if you're using it during the week, that could be a sign. But your regular salt cellar is not going to help, right? And that's pretty much the principle of the Ramah. The Taz and the Pitre Chuba. Um, okay, to 
we've got 10 minutes left, so let's go to dairy bread. Can a, I want to deal with dairy bread. Yeah. Can a person have mulchic bread? What could be the problem? I you mean, is it contains milk? Yeah, the bread itself? Or that is baked in milk dishes. No, not, not baked in milk dishes. That's, I wrote an essay, if you want to discuss that, if you want to read it, it's on page, um, on page 99. Bread that was baked together in a, with a meat dish, can one eat it with dairy? So that's a long uh, discussion that I'm not going to get into. For those who want to... And read it afterwards. Um, if I do get into it, that, that, that will take the, uh, a sheer and a half to go through. But I'm not talking about here, I'm talking about meat, uh, bread that was baked with milk ingredients. You added butter to the, uh, to the bread. Is there a problem with such a thing? Or the, or the opposite? You added fleshic schmaltz the, um, to your bread. Is that a problem? Says the Gemara. The first day of Pesach, I'm not going to get into what he's saying. Don't make my matzah with milk. The first day of, of, of Pesach, it's not considered matzah in terms of fulfilling your mitzvah. If you do it, you do it with milk. But the rest of the days of matzah with, with milk. A person is not allowed to make bread with milk the entire year, not just Pesach, in the entire year. And if you did make such bread, it's prohibited to eat. Because it's going to cause a person to sin. Why is it going to cause a person to sin? Because bread, in general, 99.9% .9 of the time, is usually parrot. Which means that if you make bread with milk, inadvertently someone is going to make a mistake and eat that bread which they think is parav with their meat sandwich. So because of this, Chachami made a decree that you cannot make milk bread and you cannot make meat bread. Unless right? there's a heck unless it's... So what's the answer? Just as over there, when did the Chachamim say you can make milk bread? If it is the ox's eye, it looks like the ox's eye. What does that mean if it looks like the ox's eye? Two different explanations between Machloket between Rashi and the Rambam. Rashi bread like an ox's eye, it's permitted. Rashi understands that we're talking about the quantity of the bread made. An ox's eye is like a little cookie, right? Whatever, right? Size of an ox's eye can't be too big. Why is it not a problem to make that, that type of uh, bread? The assumption is because that type there won't be any leftovers. And if there won't be any leftovers, I don't have to worry about my kid coming two hours later and doesn't know that it's milk and he's going to put his... his uh, but so Rashi says, the, the Pshat of the Gemara is, when is it permitted to make milk? It is for some reason, so when you finish, come across. So, so basically, According to Rashi, it comes out that if you've got to make a small quantity that you're going to eat in one go, we'll define, we'll see what does it mean to eat in one go, it wouldn't be a problem. There, it's not the quantity, it is the bread. And because of that, that's why it is permitted. Shulchan who does he pass in like? Rambam or Rashi? Let's look at the Shulchan Aruch. Put milk, knead milk into the bread, because you might come to eat it with meat. And if you did so, that bread is prohibited. You can't even eat it even by itself. It's prohibited. Little quantity that you could eat it in one go. Or you change the shape of the bread. It would be noticeable that everyone would say, oh, this is milchic bread. Mutar. The Shulchan Aruch adopted both the opinion of Rafi, and in both cases it would be permitted. Says the Ramah, He says, we have milk bread on Shavuot, we have fleshic bread on Shabbat, 
Because the Ramah says, because it's considered a small amount, and also the bread is different to the regular shape of bread. Does that mean if there's a specific type of bread which is made always as a milky bread and it's in a specific shape? That would be that okay. That would be permitted. That would be okay. Even, 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 even if it was produced in larger quantities. Yeah. The Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah basically adopted both the opinions of the Rambam and the, and the Rashi. Either or, not both. Not, yeah, not, either, not yeah. you need both. But either or would be good in, uh, I think, the Rabbanut, when they have um, Burekas. So if it is a triangle, yeah, it is... They've made it a, a chok in, 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 in Israel, all the kashra departments, so that you know that if it's, if it's a triangle, it's mochik. Okay. I mean, generally. Yes. Today, oh, going back a long time, I remember in Germany. Yes. Oh, if you go to store food and buy chala, it's strictly powder. Right. Not flesh, it That is the standard uh, accepted approach, and most bakeries follow that. If they do make a mochik bread, they make it in a very specific shape. I right. Right. But you're right, that's also today. Most bakeries, every bread that they make is powder. As a matter of fact, I remember they have rolls, breakfast rolls. Right. So it is always special icon. Right. But there is strictly powder. Not flesh, not milk, okay. not fat. On any way, right. So you can really eat it. You can. That's, a, that's a separate question of patakum. Right? Then we, we, please go on. We'll get to the discussion of patakum, of bread of a non-Jew. Can you eat concern of the actual ingredients but there's a xera of eating a non-jewish bread but that is ratashem um in volume five not in volume four but in volume five we'll deal with it there's ratashem okay if you have bread that is the next topic that i didn't get to basically is makel even though shukhanar basically is the is makel if it's a big loaf of bread and you were careful that nothing touched it it would be okay and you were careful is makel yeah okay